Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody, before we jump in the show, I just want to tell you quickly how amazing this episode is. It gets a little bit technical. Uh, I can't help myself. Those of you who know me, I like to go a little bit deep with some of the science, but I promise Dr. Neighbors and I do uh, a a decent job, I think, of bringing it back around to practical application. Um, This concept of total body holistic health, um, I'm super excited to get into that when it comes to things of the mouth. Um, You know, we're going to dig into this historical fact that the mouth has always been seen as something outside of healthcare and just something you should clean, wash, and polish up. But in fact, when disease begins to infiltrate the the mouth, it is a marker and an indicator of systemic inflammation. And, and we all know that systemic inflammation is the root of all disease. Dr. Neighbors also blows my mind and shares with me that 50% of adults have some level of periodontal disease. Um, and I'm going to tell you that most of us have no idea if we do. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is, is that it's super easy to treat both topical and systemically. Uh, and it is one of the most underrated topics in health that happens to be one of the easiest to treat. Let's jump into the show. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I'm super excited to have a dear friend of mine, uh, Dr. Tom Neighbors. Uh, Dr. Neighbors attended the University of Tennessee College of Dentistry, and he's accredited uh, as a member of the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He's also a fellow of the Academy of General Dentistry, and he's one of the leading experts in the clinical application of salivary diagnostics and the oral systemic link. He co-founded the first salivary diagnostic lab in the U.S. dedicated to the mouth-body connection called Oral DNA Labs. Dr. Neighbors, welcome to the show. Awesome, Aaron. I really appreciate that. It's so excited to be here. Yeah, man, we're really excited. You know, this this concept, people are probably like, what did he just say? The oral systemic link? <laughs> I know. It, it, why don't we just call it the mouth-body connection? You know, that sounds really great. But yeah. The other one's way fancier. It is fancier. Makes me sound better. <laughs> Why don't for for those folks who don't understand the oral systemic um, connection? Before we kind of dive into what it is, can we give a little historical background as to the practice of medicine uh, contextually prior to this breakthrough and? what it's meant since. Absolutely. I, I think I'll probably start that answer with referring back to, to total body health. That's a, that's a common term that, that people use a lot now where we're really looking at whole health or the body as a whole person. And I think for a long time, dentistry was sort of excluded from that conversation. Uh, for whatever reason, we look now, you know, look back now and go, well, why is that the case? It's it's a body part. Hmm. Your mouth is a body part. It's mm-hmm. not some box that's not attached to anything. And when you think about what the mouth is, it's the largest entry point in to the body. Yeah. We have skin in there. You know, we have things that come out of the skin, like teeth. You know, but we we tend to think of that so differently than let's say fingernails or hair or anything else that projects out. Mm -hmm. And we want to look at the mouth as the only thing that it takes to keep it healthy is to clean it where Mm -hmm. no other body part will be treated that way. Mm -hmm. And so I I think Mm -hmm. when we look at total health and how that correlates to body health has really been advanced through medicine. I think, unfortunately, if it was left to dentistry, we'd still think that just cleaning was the way to go. Right. But it wasn't until medicine began to tell us, say, listen, the microbiology associated with the mouth really is linking your mouth to heart disease, to diabetes sugar control, to preterm birth weight. And it's not the stuff that you see. Hmm. It's the stuff that you don't. It's the microbiology and the pathogenic microorganisms and things that are associated with the mouth that are that link. And if you don't know what that is, 
or if you're treating it as just a body part that you only clean, mm-hmm. then we're missing the link that actually triggers inflammation. And so much of what we're here talking today is how to explain that. You know, I, I, I really loved one of the things that you told me as we were preparing for this episode, um, just the visual talking about looking at somebody who's freshly showered and saying, gosh, they look really healthy. Oh, wow. Well, how, how are you determining that they look healthy? Well, their skin is clean. And, and, and aligning that as a comparison to saying, I have my teeth cleaned regularly, therefore my oral health must be good. Absolutely. That was mind-blowing for me because nowhere else that I can think of off the top of my head do we treat from a medical standpoint um, a system or a body group that way. It's like – it's great that it looks good, but people with six packs also have heart attacks. Yes, right? skinny fat. Yeah. Well, well, what if they're diabetic? What if they smoke? Mm-hmm. What if they have a profound, uh, you know, what if they're doing drugs? I mean, th- th- there are so many things that we can be deceived from the outside looking in. And oral health is so much more than cleaning, it's so much more than hygiene. Um, and to your point, has long been excluded from this whole uh, holistic total body health approach. And it's the gateway to your GI tract. It, it, it is – you've got the two holes and they're both connected. Absolutely. And, and, and in hindsight, we can look back and say, duh. Absolutely. Well, of, cor- of course it's connected. But for so long – and this has been new to me because as I pursued medical training, it was kind of already established about this oral – um, systemic connection. T- talk to me about how what what was going on in the world that led you and your father to be a critical piece in the and I don't want to speak for you, but the discovery, application, practical um, significance, the research in making this essentially mainstream uh, in America. Well, you know, I can get extremely nerdy here. It's okay. So we have a few people who like to go technical. Some, some kind of like stop signal that you tell me, say, hey, okay. get it back on track. <laughs> because, you know, science is one of those things that sometimes we forget about after we leave school. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you know, we've always heard, well, that's the practice of dentistry, right? Mm-hmm. It's all practice. Mm-hmm. And when my father in 1982 was a small town dentist, there was no specialist. Right. If you were the, the the dentist in your town, you were you were the periodontist, you were the orthodontist, you were the oral surgeon. You did what you had to do to get people better. I think nowadays everything's a specialist, and so you got a problem with with a root canal, you're going to go to an endodontist, or you need your teeth moved, we're going to go to orthodontist. And we've lost a little bit of that being self sufficient and wanting to explore the why things happen. Mm -hmm. And that's how this really started is we've learned in dental school that periodontal disease is one of the few diseases that can be classified as a disease and an infection. Talk, talk, talk to me more about that. Well, I mean, when you're talking about a disease, Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be a number of things when you're talking Mm -hmm. about an infection. Well, that can be a number of things. Well, periodontal disease fits both classifications. Because yeah. it is a disease, but it's caused by pathogenic microorganisms. Mm-hmm. However, here's the kicker. They're anaerobes. So the number – well – Which means they don't we, metabolize we, oxygen. Absolutely. Think, I mean, the, you know, periodontal disease is the number one infection in the world. Hmm. It's the most common infection in the world, and that would be classified by trivial pursuit, just if you want to know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true. It's or the really most scientific. Yeah, that's right. It's it's the most prevalent infection in the world, and it is caused by anaerobic microorganisms in the mouth, which is the most oxygenated part of the body. So how does that happen? Mm-hmm. How do we get anaerobes in there? It's a contact infection. So you come in contact with them. You've, some have heard the term biofilm. Well, mm-hmm. all that means is the bacteria's ability to protect themselves. So when you have an anaerobic bacteria and you know periodontal disease is caused by bacteria, how are you going to measure that? Because the minute you pull them out of the mouth, they die. Mm. 
once you break that biofilm, they die. So we had no way in dentistry to to accurately culture that versus in an aerobe. Like in the medical profession, if we have strep throat or we have pneumonia, we're going to be able to culture that and tell you very quickly what's going on. Here's how we're going to treat it. Mm-hmm. Periodontal disease, we only knew it in theory that these were bacteria. We only knew it by books. But in practice, in clinical practice, we had no way to know. So you'd so, never really identify no. the causative agents. No. You only knew it that it was presenting as periodontal disease, but we couldn't measure. And so huh. it wasn't until DNA PCR. And when did that come out? Oh, man. Ballpark. Probably 15, 20 years ago. So this is relatively su- super new. Absolutely. Uh, scientific diagnostic right tools. so when we found out about dna pcr that that what what that did for us was allow us to identify anaerobes on a chair side basis meaning that i could take a sample and we don't care if it dies because we're going to centrifuge that down we're going to bust up the dna and i'm going to be able to tell you qualitatively and quantitatively what we're dealing with and that was the revolution is wow. because what would you, when we say oral systemic well, think about it. One of the periodontal pathogens that's a prime contributor to periodontal disease is called Porphyromonas gingivalis. So when you read studies now on Porphyromonas gingivalis, what is it? We can tell you what it is, what it does. It's tissue invasive. It can live mm. in white blood cells. It can, pa- it can pass through the placental and the blood-brain barrier. Oh, wow. So if this is in your infection, we need to know that because we're going to treat that differently. Some patients need antibiotics. Some don't. Some can do antimicrobials. And that's based on the pathogens. Based on the pathogens. So dentistry used to treat periodontal disease as a nonspecific disease, meaning mm. there was a nonspecific plaque hypothesis, meaning everyone got treated the same way. Yeah. If you had the symptom, we all got the same treatment, which was cleaning and our variation. You've all heard the term deep cleaning, deep scaling, scaling and root planings, mm-hmm. all of these terms that basically explained nothing, patients didn't understand, and did nothing to change their habit. It would be the equivalent of treating community-acquired pneumonia with telling people, you just need to get an air purifier. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 it's so I, – I look back on it and I go, you know, Aaron, if I came in here for my physical and you said, all right, good, time to strip down, it's time for your bath, and I'm going to clean you oh, really gosh. well and then come back in six months and I'm going to clean you again. And so we think this act of hygiene is somehow preventative. Again, this is, this is blowing my mind in the sense of its obvious after-the-fact factor. You know what I mean it by is. that? Like, yeah. as we're talking, it's kind of like, gosh, this is kind of painfully obvious. But it's stunning to me that just 15, 20 years ago, it was a one-size-fits-all approach to treating diseases of the mouth. And it wasn't treating the cause. It was only yeah. treating the symptom. A for effort, but you completely missed the mark. Absolutely. You- People think, and when and we see commercials, remove plaque, remove yeah. tartar, right? Well, I remember even as a, in that time frame being you know, a young adult, I mean, all the commercials, the entire take-home marketing message was tartar control, reduce plaque buildup, have shiny right. white teeth, that's good for you. And all that is is prevention, mm-hmm. right? No different than bathing and hair washing and working out and all of those things that are good habits to have sure. when you're healthy. Sure. But when you get sick, hygiene doesn't fix sick. It's not that the hygiene is not valuable. Absolutely. It's that the hygiene isn't the end-all goal. Hygiene is for maintenance. Hygiene mm-hmm. isn't for therapy. Interesting. Right? So mm-hmm. we've got a whole profession called dental hygiene, mm-hmm. right? But even medicine, we call that same thing therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Occupational therapy, physical therapy, massage therapy, when we go to our healthcare providers, we're going there for some type of therapy. What other healthcare profession has a whole regime dedicated to hygiene? None. It's all de- it's all about therapy. And in in your role, that's going to be preventive therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that hygienists aren't valuable, but they really should be called periodontal therapists. They really should be called hygiene therapists because. Mm. You know, the Center for Disease Control has has come up with multiple studies 
on periodontal disease. And in 2014, they released the largest survey of periodontal health ever conducted in the United States. And that was by the CDC, not me or, or not some dental publication. Right. And 50% of Americans over age 30 have some form of periodontal 50? disease. 50. Wow. So hygiene is appropriate when you're not sick. But statistics are going to tell us that the majority of us need some type of regular therapy or regular maintenance. Not In other words, intervention other than cleaning. Yes. And again, and it's not that cleaning's not help, you know, important. It's yeah. just not what our primary driver should be wow. in preventive medicine. So t- t- take this one step further because this is, this is a great train of thought. H- how do we go from, okay, so I get it. Um, diseases of the mouth are diseases and infections. How do we go from a disease slash infection of our mouth to this systemic connection? Wh- wh- where does that take place? And like when – Walk me through how that discovery was made and, 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 the, and help the listeners understand not just the connection, but the significance of the connection. All right. Well, we'll, we'll start with heart disease. Yeah. You know, because I don't know, it's the number one killer of humans. Yeah. And let's think maybe back 15 years ago, mm-hmm. what our main emphasis on, on preventing heart disease was checking cholesterol. 15 years ago, yes. Right. Actually, as much as twenty about twenty years ago, right. with the advent of statins, right? I can remember coming up through school. Cholesterol overnight became actually it was probably in in the late eighties um, that linked high fat diets and high cholesterol to increase heart disease risk. Overnight, the egg became bad for you. Absolutely, that was kind of the beginning. And so, if you think how that's changed, right? What we want to measure now is inflammation. In, yeah. Right. And what's triggering this body's inflammatory response? So, let me take periodontal disease, and then I'll kind of segue okay. into health. Love it. But periodontal disease is caused by pathogenic bacteria that we all have. So, just because we have bacteria that are bad doesn't mean we're sick, right? We can live with good and bad. Mm-hmm. Symbi- we have mechanisms to protect ourselves. Right. The term symbiosis, homeostasis. Mm-hmm. It's all about balance, right? We want to mm-hmm. keep our bodies in balance. If we start to lose that balance that's, and we get a body reaction, we'll call that inflammation. Mm-hmm. So if in your mouth we've got balance, those tissues are going to be pink. They're not going to bleed when you touch them. They're going to look like any other area of skin that's healthy because periodontal mm-hmm. tissues or gum tissue is just skin. Mm-hmm. It's not some radically wild tissue. Yeah. Right? It's just skin. Has some innate resistance to it, strength. That's right. It's, and it's got, it's got, it's strong. It's got salivary glands mm-hmm. in there. But think about your other skin has sweat right. glands. I mean, so we think our mouth's so different, but it's really not. It's just not known how, how sim- simple it is in terms of comparing it to other Well, in a lot parts. of ways, it's out of sight, out of mind, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, no, nobody's staring in people's mouths right. except you right? Uh, and, the, and the people who work on your team. So it's, it's a tissue that we don't think about as being part of the GI tract. Right. And we don't think about it as still being part of the external world, even though it's inside of our mouth, but the entire GI tract is separate from our body, it's still considered an external environment. So all the tissue lining that extension of your external environment, your GI tract, including your mouth, has normal tissue and defense mechanisms to keep the outside on the outside and the inside on the inside. Right. So let's say, though, we start to lose that battle. Yes. Let's say the bad bacteria start to win. Right. That's the simple way of saying mm-hmm. we're going to begin the infection process or mm-hmm. the inflammation process. So it's not bacteria. Well, our end game in periodontal disease is periodontal disease destroys the bone around your teeth. We used to, and people listening are going to have the, heard the term. We don't want bone loss. We don't want, you know, the pockets around mm-hmm. your teeth, mm-hmm. all these anatomical things that don't mean anything to people. What we're really saying is periodontal disease destroys the bone of your head, right? It's an infection that starts to dissolve the bone of your head. I know mm-hmm. that sounds radical, but it, it's not. That's mm-hmm. the, what, when we say bone loss or in periodontal disease, what are we saying? You're losing the bone of your jaw mm-hmm. or your maxilla, which is your head. Mm-hmm. So we don't want a head infection, right? Mm-hmm. Especially to the point of a bone level infection. Got a big problem. But the bone loss occurs because of the body's response. 
it's the white blood cells that are invading the, the entire area. inflammatory it, process. That inflammatory process is what causes the destruction. Now, let's, let's take it one step further in a white blood cell. So when we do bacteria culturing in our practice with just a phase contrast microscope, I can pull a sample out and I'll see white blood cells in saliva living. Mm-hmm. But it's a blood cell. Yeah. How does that happen? It's and a- why is it alive there? And what's it doing? How does it go back? Does it go back? Yeah. Think about it. How's it getting out? How's it getting out? That's the inside on the outside now. Right. If you ask most dentists, how does bone loss occur? You'll get a, a stare back because we've never thought about it like that. Hmm. So think about the body invading that little area around your tooth. No different than, let's say, that little space between your fingernail and your finger or your hair follicle and the skin around the hair follicle. But let's say that area starts to become inflamed. White blood cells are leaving the body, going into the saliva. They are filled with a a product uh, called collagenase. What's bone? Collagen. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's the body fighting that's creating the destruction. But as the the white blood cells are leaving the lining of the skin, mm-hmm. what's going in? All of the back, the billions of bacteria that are in your mouth. So you have this like Stargate pathway, right? To use an old no, that's good. That's a good one. That's good. Right, like this big path, and so this giant white blood cell comes out, mm-hmm. and a million bacteria go in. So there's a constant flow in a disease process or an infection process that's opening the body up 24 hours a day, seven days a week through the body's fighting through inflammation. So is it the bacteria that are creating a problem? They're not creating the destruction. They're creating the reaction. Correct. So if we can stop the reaction. It's the body's response to the bacteria. Right. So we want to stop that process by eliminating the bacteria that cause it, not the debris. The body's just doing what the body's designed to do, fight foreign invaders. Absolutely. And so that's how these bacteria that are so bad get into the body. And then once they're in, that's the relationship between heart disease and – So you're saying – so the the invasion takes place at the level of – Facial bones. Mm-hmm. And once they've gotten through the barrier of the skin inside the mouth, then broken through the barrier of bone, all bets are off. And now we, there's no, a systemic – There's multiple systemic pathways either through blood, lymph, where the, these inf- inflammatory – so is it the inflammatory – response at the level of the mouth that then goes systemically so we're talking about systemic inflammatory changes or absolutely or is it the back no it's okay so it's it's the inflammatory once let's just say you know there's a 11 species of microbes that are considered periodontal pathogens and of course that's evolving but i'll take poor from what we know of yeah porphyrmonas gingivalis is one it's in every dental textbook about a causative agent of periodontal disease but we really didn't know how what it was now we know what it is. That particular microbe, once it's in the body, can invade endothelial cells. Right? And endothelial cells are cells that line blood vessels. It's absolutely. So there's a term called vulnerable plaque. Well, how does that start? Through inflammation. Mm-hmm. So if the body is providing chronic systemic inflammation yeah. because of an infection, those microbes don't stay in the mouth. And think about where this infection actually is. Right. We're probably less than two inches from the brain, maybe an inch from the carotid arteries, yeah. and a surface area. Plenty of blood flow above yep. the neck. Matter of fact, all, all systems are designed to get blood flow to the brain. Absolutely. And, and so, you, you know, the, I don't think for our listeners, uh, we have a very technical crowd. Uh, and even for those who are not technical, I think that in a 2019, almost 2020 environment, most people who are paying attention to health-related topics because they have ambition goals of being the healthiest, most vibrant version of themselves possible, they they want to improve the quality of their life and the length of their life. I don't think that a general conversation about chronic smoldering inflammation is like, oh my gosh, I've never heard of that before. No, this is – I think it's very well established for anybody who's paying attention that inflammation is the root of all disease Um, and that 
inflammation is not bad in and of itself because it's a natural process. It's our body's defense mechanism that God gave us to fight off invaders or pathogens or – but left unchecked, chronically triggering the downstream inflammatory changes that take place because of inflammation, this is where we get disease. And this is no different than, you know, if you had an infection over your elbow from an abscess and that abscess begins to carve its way in depth, immediately my brain goes, "Uh uh-oh, it better not get in the bone. Because infection, once it breaks through the soft tissue into the bone, we we now have something called osteomyelitis. And once infection starts to carve its way into bone and the inflammatory changes take place in bone, we have a big, big problem, mostly because it's hard to get antibiotics to penetrate bone. And most people will need IV antibiotics for 4, 6, 12, 16 weeks if you catch it. But it's amazing to me that even as a medical professional and many, many of my colleagues, despite the clarity of this science and the obvious duh factor as we're talking about this, it's not front of mind for folks to think about an infection in your mouth being as big a deal as it really is. We would never, ever, ever ignore pneumonia. We would never ignore somebody who's got a urinary tract infection, fever, vomiting, who's showing systemic Mm -hmm response to infection. That's something called sepsis. When a localized infection anywhere in the body gets into the bloodstream and your body systemically starts responding to it, increased heart rate, decreased blood pressure, your body starts mounting a white blood cell response. Um, This is called sepsis. And sepsis is a disease. To your point, it is a disease and an infection. In order to be septic, you have to have all of the criteria of sepsis, a systemic inflammatory System. What is uh, uh, they call it? SIRS response, systemic inflammatory response syndrome, and there's criteria. Once your body mounts a SIRS response, and there's a source of infection, by definition, that's sepsis. So it could be a UTI and sepsis, pneumonia, sepsis, uh, cellulitis, non-healing ulcer, sepsis. There probably are. P- Plenty of cases of people with such bad periodontal disease where you mount a surge response, you could become septic. And let me tell you something. Mounting a systemic response from an infection in your face, that's going to be tough to survive because of the proximity to the brain. Um, so th- this, is, this is fascinating because I think that myself included, the first time I heard about this, I'm like, oh, wow, weird. So the bacteria goes from the mouth to like, how is that? And again, totally overlooking the impact of chronic smoldering inflammation. People live with this. If you look at it from maybe the way dentistry used to look at this is we thought this was a debris problem. We treated it as a debris problem. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you had plaque, you didn't floss. Right. It had nothing to do with microbes because we couldn't test for that. So we had to treat it as something that we saw. And I, I, you and I spoke earlier, but most people on this, on this will know what a diabetic lesion is, right? And that's a symptom of diabetes. The lesion is not the cause. But if all we treated was the lesion, you came in and I I'm, I'm want diabetes care and you just keep cleaning that lesion and man, that lesion is looking better. It's not getting worse. Great. But you're, you're not treating diabetes by treating the lesion. Periodontal disease has multiple presentations. Doesn't mean you're always going to see it. And if you don't have any way to test and to track what's happening microbiologically in the mouth, that's that missing link that we've needed. And all of a sudden, now we know. And we've gone from nonspecific plaque to specific disease-causing agents. Hmm. And we have to measure that. So to take that to your point about an ulcer... If I came to the emergency room because I had a facial injury to my mandible, broke my mandible, had facial lacerations, and that got infected, 
I could wind up in the hospital, correct? Oh, yeah. But if I'm losing my teeth because they're rotting out of my head through an infection, mm. amazing. I'll go see my dentist every six months for my cleaning. And they'll keep telling me I have bone loss, which sounds ridiculous in mm-hmm. this day and age. Bone loss means that Work. infection is in the, <laughs> in the mandible, no different than if it came in externally. The disconnect is really stunning. It is. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of embarrassed, even though I feel pretty aware of this. I haven't always been. And it's, it's, it's a sad state of the union. Um, but thankfully, you know, we've got ability now for, for experts like you to come on a platform like this and, and, and deliver these truths that are so important. I mean, the, the, for this to be right under our nose and miss it, uh, literally right under our nose, and not make the connection of systemic Im- inflammation and the long-term consequences of that is really um, unacceptable uh, in today's day and age. Um, how would you say that the, this breakthrough um, – for, for those that, that don't know, before we answer that, tell me how, how are you involved in, in this this breakthrough. I mean, because you and your father were part of your research was critical to right. this becoming mainstream. Well, when we knew, I mean, everyone is taught that periodontal disease is a bacteria problem. And again, no way to measure that. So in 1982, uh, my father went to the National Institute of Health and, and was studying the microbial causative agents of periodontal disease. And how could you measure for that in 1982? And the answer was then a phase contrast microscope. Hmm. So we could take a sample, plaque sample. Now, this was my dad. Mm -hmm. I was not around. Well, I was around in 1982, but definitely a youngster. Yes. So in 1982, but I would work in my dad's office, and I would put the slides on and look at the microscope. And I I knew what a spirochete was before Hmm. I was 12. Wow. And so... What That's my dad nerdy. would do, yeah, it is very nerdy. <laughs> Treponema, by the way, is a spirochete. Yeah. But uh, so, what we knew though is we could tell by morphotype visually what was there. So we would show a patient on the microscope. We would hook a monitor up. Oh wow! Now, so when I came out of dental school, I worked with my father, and we had a VHS tape and a monitor. Wow. And we would record salivary samples so patients could see the disease. But the visual impact was... It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And then we would record it after treatment. So, A, we could measure that we made an impact and that our therapy worked. So we've had no real way to measure periodontal disease therapy success. So we had to do it visually by morphotype and visualization. Mm-hmm. So DNA PCR was a big factor in Europe, and I'm going to go back maybe 20 years, um, Hein Life Science was one of the first laboratories in Europe that was doing salivary diagnostics w- by using DNA PCR. So DNA PCR, very common now for medical testing, mm. especially for anaerobes. And so Hein was doing about 80,000 tests a year in Europe using saliva as a diagnostic medium as opposed to blood, if you think about it. We can tell so much information from saliva. Mm-hmm. It's not just this liquid that you know we use to masticate food with. Right. I mean, there's a lot of data in saliva, and it's easy to get. So breaking that apart and using saliva was not very common in the United States because we did not have that. So my father called Tobias Hein in Naren, Germany, hmm. and said – we're using phase contrast. We need more information about how to bring DNA PCR to saliva. We already had it in blood. Mm-hmm. We already knew how to do it in blood mm-hmm. in medicine. Not, in, but we knew in dentistry we needed it for saliva because that's been that missing link. Is how do you measure microbiology? So, Hein comes to the United States, has a meeting with us, and we decide that we want to bring that technology over. And that's really how salivary diagnostics on a mainstream level uh, came to the U.S. was through Hein out of Europe. And the first company that we started for that was called Advanced Dental Diagnostics. And that was in my father's extra room of his house. So my father, my brother, and I, that was kind of the beginning of it. It's so neat that you and your family were such a part of this very significant – and not just for dentistry, but certainly for dentistry. I mean, this, it's groundbreaking. Uh, 
but for healthcare as a whole, this is a very significant uh, breakthrough. Um, so, uh, in 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 the state that we are now, what is considered the gold standard? How do you diagnose it? What what is the gold standard for diagnostics, then treatment, and and I would then maybe guess like follow up. Like, what, how would you approach this from a from a standard of care standpoint? Well, I may start with just in terms of the listeners here. Think of the mouth as as you would treat it as a physician, as a body part. Right. So I don't want to treat that any differently than you would. I mean, I, I think our correlation needs to to become more aware of what each of us do, because not only is this disease just an infection that we all need to know what it is and how to treat it. But having conversations like this really excite me because mm-hmm. I need to know what you do and you need to know what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look at this. So if I came in for a physical, right, part of the physical would be testing, mm-hmm. would it not? Yes. Right. We would do blood work on me. Yes. And then you would be able to find things that maybe I didn't know I had. So one of the, the things that I've learned on the medical side is that if you can see clinical signs and symptoms, but maybe the microbiology is okay, that's still bad. Yep. But maybe you can't see a clinical sign and symptom, but my microbiology is bad. That's not good either. But if I have anatomical changes and pathologic changes, that's really bad. Yeah, in my clinical experience, clinical symptoms findings are late finding. Absolutely. It, the, the microbiology, the biochemistry, the physiology, it's usually there. Right. Far in advance before you manifest symptoms. Well, traditional dentistry only measures anatomical changes. Mm-hmm. It's already got to be really bad yeah. before we diagnose it. From a dental insurance standpoint, dental insurance will not cover periodontal therapy until it's there is bone loss, not even wow. just a disease. They won't treat it until it's a bone level infection. Wow. To your point, any they dental insurance a, company, a, an abscess. Absolutely, uh, that would be like, osteo. like I'm coming in. You know, I've got a cut on my finger. Well, they're going to stick a little probe in there and measure and go. Well, it's not involved in the bone. Come back in six months, and maybe if we'll it's wait bone it's level, enough. then we'll fix. That's our insurance model. We have to work with. Listen, so, don't get me started on insurance. I know. So when a patient comes in, obviously we want a visual exam. Obviously, clinical signs and symptoms are important. Right. But we'll take a salivary sample at every new patient exam to look at it microbiologically now that's not dna pcr but it's a good window no different mm-hmm. than i might use an intraoral camera to show you that you have sure. a broken tooth i also need to show you what you might not know is going on in terms of with the tissue and as a patient who has gone through this process it's horrifying <laughs> <laughs> but enlightening at the same time i mean I, I consider myself to have pretty good oral hygiene and uh and i was told that my my under the microscope it looked pretty good However, I saw things moving. Yeah. And it, it, it is an incredibly powerful tool, the visualization that there is an entire microscopic universe alive and well. Um, and j- no different than if you would take a swab right out of the right. shower, you're going to grow something on a Petri dish from your skin. It's not about being sterile because the human experience is not sterile. It's about having the proper relationship with the proper bacteria in the proper places at the proper amounts so that you don't get out of harmony and leave yourself vulnerable for things that shouldn't be there, like yeast or pathogenic organisms uh, that leave you really susceptible for these things that aren't supposed to be there to overpopulate and then enter through the, bar- through the barrier through a trivial trauma. Uh, that trivial trauma could be flossing for the first time in a while and you break the skin. It could be a mosquito Absolutely. bite on your skin. All of a sudden it turns into an abscess. It wasn't the mosquito's fault. They just broke the barrier and the bacteria was already there. Perfect. Perfect analogy. This has been really, really fascinating for me to to be a part of this. Uh, And I I know that the folks listening to this are are having their heads kind of spinning here a little bit. What are – for for a practical application for for my listeners who tend to be very, very productive, very busy, very successful – men and women who don't have a ton of discretionary time to spend. Um, what are two or three things that somebody can do starting tomorrow morning or even tonight 
to to make sure that this isn't happening under their watch? Well, let me start this by sort of diffusing one of the things dentistry is, is really well known for, which is blaming you for having the problem. Mm. Meaning, how many times have you heard, have you been flossing? Are you flossing? Every single time. And then we all visit. feel guilty. And yes. we, the majority of us do not floss. And that's just the reality of it. But mm-hmm. but that flossing was, was really when we thought that it, this was a debris problem. Right. So first – First off, it's not your fault if you get strep throat. It's not your fault if you get pneumonia or an abscess on your elbow. So periodontal infections are not a fault issue. It's not because you did something and then we're going to blame you because you weren't doing something. That's completely wrong. It's what you come in contact with. It's how your immune system handles it and do you react to it or not. So from a listener standpoint, First off, the mouth is a body part. It will get sick. It's okay. Mouths do get sick. Hmm. Just because they do, it's not because you caused it to happen. And so patients ask, well, if I get periodontal disease treated, is it going to come back? And I say, well, how well do you take care of yourself? Right? I mean, can you get strep throat again? Can you get pneumonia again? Absolutely. You come hmm. in contact with it again? I mean, so just because you get somebody better... There's some personal responsibility for them to stay better, right? I, I tell patients all the time, I should have got up this morning and ran on my treadmill, and I didn't, mm-hmm. right? As humans, we don't always do what's the best thing for us. So I, I think first off would be don't blame yourself if there is an issue. No, I love that. Right? So we'll, we'll fix it, but fix we're going to – yeah, I mean, it's just part of being human. What can we learn from it? How can we prevent yeah, it in the future? Yeah, I mean, genetics has a role here too. We're not mm-hmm. even having – hardly even touched on the genetic response, right? Is when your immune response is going to fire is going to be different yeah, than Everybody's immune, immune response, although we're all designed the same, we have different – Levels of intensity of, of, of the response. And dentistry is no different. You'll have a, a, a spousal relationship. Some, per, some people will be highly susceptible to dental problems, gum disease, periodontal disease, mm-hmm. tooth decay. The spouse never goes to the dentist and never has a problem. It's yeah. because genetically they're wired differently. So I, I, I know I kind of skirted that. No, it's okay. Answer. So no, uh, the, no, number one is don't blame yourself. Absolutely. It's going to happen. Mouths get sick. Right. What, what are one or so two? So number others? two is make sure you're seeing a dentist regularly that is aware of this mm-hmm. connection. Because if you're just going thinking that just because someone cleans your teeth every six months that you're going to be immune to what we're talking about today, that is old thinking. What would be a question that they could use as a qualifier to make sure that they are partnered with the right dentist? Is there, is there a question we could give them to say, hey, doc, do you? How do you handle the oral systemic component? Okay. Just I mean, ask it just like yeah, that. Yeah, just say, listen, I know there's a mouth-body connection mm-hmm. to this. Tell me what you guys do that's different than other places. How I've are been. you looking for it? How are you identifying Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You know, say, my purpose of coming in to see you is so that I don't wind up with problems that don't just affect my mouth but that's affect great. my body, right? I'm, frankly, the reason we treat periodontal disease now isn't for your teeth, and that used to be the only reason we treated it. Now we're treating it for the body's sake, for everything we've talked about you know, in the last half hour. It's That's not a, about the teeth. It's about your heart. Absolutely. It's about, body, it's treat about your blood pressure. Infection. It's about reducing total body inflammation. Right. So talk to the practice a little bit about what their philosophy is on total body health. How do they measure microbiology? Are they checking microbiology when you're there? What tools do they have besides visualization to make sure that you're okay? Because in medicine, we use tools to show us what we can't see. And if no one is doing that as a dental provider, then they're missing half the equation. Then it's just a cleaning. It's just you're only looking at anatomy. You're not looking at biology, and you have to look at both. I, I love that. The, from, I mean, from a lot of different levels. Um, but for the sake of time, I won't add anything to that. I think that perfectly sums up something that I agree with completely. Um, What are some areas in dentistry that get you outside of this? Because clearly this is like probably topic number one that you're super passionate about. Are there, is there another area that is on the horizon or should be making noise or is making noise that maybe we haven't heard about that is really promising or exciting for you? 
Well, for me, the medical side of this is really what's has energized this as a topic. Gotcha. You know what? When I look at what dentistry has done, with, we've known periodontal disease has been a problem since the beginning of dentistry, but yet it's taken medicine to get involved for us to think it's important. Right? It's so, almost like what else is this involved in? It, and so that's where I think mm-hmm. we're at. I've been doing this a long time, but for what I'm seeing now is more exciting than anything that I'm doing. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, teeth is my thing. You know, when we <laughs> talk about cosmetic dentistry and building things and, and all of that, I, I love doing that. But what am I most excited about? It's where this is going. It's because dentistry, we, we were trained to not feel like we had much to do with healthcare. Right, we were the mm. Monday through Thursday group, the guys mm-hmm. that played golf on Fridays. You know, when we were in school with our medical colleagues, we kind of felt like they're the ones going to be on call. They're the ones going to have to deal with life and death mm-hmm. situations. We're going to get to have, you know, a pretty nine to five lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But what we're learning is that's not the case with this, and that, you know, for me, medicine teaching us about inflammation and bridging this educational gap that we've all had and learning together just in conversations like this. I never get to have a conversation with a physician. And man, would I love to. Yeah. And the, well, these, you are now. That's what I'm saying. These, <laughs> these opportunities, those would excite me. I think I can fix your teeth, but fixing a tooth isn't going to save your life. Yeah. But stopping chronic inflammation yeah, absolutely. Can it really can? And well, that's coming what from a medical me. doctor who's sitting across the table from you right now, I can tell you that I love these types of conversations and the fact that there is an entire frontier of really unknown consequence and implications of something that has been right in front of us and is so stinking easy to treat. It's so easy to treat. With that, what is the treatment? Well, I, I always try to parallel because so long in dentistry, we've looked at it so strangely. It's like it's some anomaly that we have to treat mm-hmm. differently. But if you have an infection, I want to identify what it is. So I'm going to use salivary diagnostics to do it because that's easy to do. Then I'm going to use an antimicrobial. Based on the microbiology. Right. I'm going to so use So it's an a very tailored approach. Yeah. Like, you know, my son, and well, we've all had kids with injuries and things, but chlorhexidine is used all the time mm-hmm. in hospitals. Oh, yeah. What am I going to treat this infection with topically? Chlorhexidine. Mm-hmm. What am I going to send you home with? Chlorhexidine for a while. Mm-hmm. You don't need. You don't even need anesthetic to treat periodontal disease because we're not trying to scrape teeth to death. We're not trying to debride them like this old school way of thinking that we had to clean debris. It's all about antimicrobial, right place, right amount, with the right science to tell us and guide us that we're using the right medicine for the job. So, so essentially, topically, you're killing the bacteria that are at right. play. Sometimes, systemically, we may need an antibiotic as well. So okay. we're going to hit it topically and systemically. Yeah, for really advanced disease. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a wonderful – this has been a great episode. I, I feel like, first of all, you and I are friends so we can chat for a long time. Um, I, I think that this is a great place to pause. Um, I look forward to future episodes where we can maybe even dig into – new, more advanced developments, absolutely. Um, practical applications. For, for those people who uh, want to know more about you, uh, what you're up to, maybe even come get that amazing oral slideshow that, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, how do people find out more about Dr. Neighbors? Well, you know, for me, the best thing is online, you know, obviously our website is just my name thomasneighbors.com and we have Facebook and Instagram and we really try to put information out via Instagram and Facebook on articles and things that that we want people to be exposed to because the biggest problem with this topic is, is exposure agreed and the more light we can shine on this the, the better for everybody and so I, you know look for me anyway I, I'll get back with you and are you on these social me. platforms any social media platforms? Just good? Instagram, Instagram, and Facebook, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And is that under uh, Thomas Neighbors? Thomas Neighbors on both. Mm-hmm. Now you're located in downtown Nashville. We have a lot of listeners from all over the country. Um, several of them, the concept of destinational medicine and destinational healthcare is not a weird or foreign concept to them. Do you? And I don't know. I'm genuinely asking. I, I it. 
can people travel to you? Is is that something? Oh, absolutely. Can- I, you know, I think, you know, for me, this is exciting. Dentistry in general has become more of a destination thing for the cosmetic side. And so we do a lot of that. Uh, well, sure. And, and, and as even though you've been doing this for a long time, I promise you, I've been getting my teeth cleaned religiously and going to the dentist at least every year. Most years, it's twice a year, just like I'm told to. Uh, yet, the first time I ever had this conversation, despite knowing there is a mouth-heart, mouth-systemic connection, I've had zero conversations with a dental professional um, before I met you. So I'm going to go on a limb and say every one of our listeners, unless they're currently a patient of yours, has probably not had this discussion. I'm excited for, for folks to take this concept and questioning of how are you all identifying diagnosing and hunting for periodontal disease, given its obvious, well-proven, documented uh, link to systemic disease. And, you know, we'll put links to Dr. Neighbor's um, website, his social handles uh, in the show notes. Uh, We'll also link to all of the studies that we referenced here um, so that this will be a great uh, asset for you to reference back um, and go back to your dental providers. Um, and I can tell you as a patient of Dr. Neighbors, he's worth the trip. So I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Um, any questions, uh, obviously, you know how to get a hold of us, email us. We love the feedback and, um, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode, and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer, this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.